Before we get started on today's CSG podcast, I'd like to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, right in the middle of the dairy block, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field. Do you like wine? Do you like Pinot? Do you like Cabernet? You, but if you're like me, you like any sort of wine. And Blanchard Family Wines gives you the feel of going to a family-owned vineyard without having to drive 250 miles to Grand Junction or fly to California or even fly to Europe. Uh, really, this is uh, what I consider to be the premier spot in Denver just to enjoy the experience of having wine. You know, uh, they can pair your wine with uh, any sort of meats and cheeses. I mean, look, y'all know me. Y'all know I don't uh, support anything that I don't personally try or if I don't personally like. And quite frankly, uh, Blanchard has really stood out to me in quality and I and if you enjoy the experience of wine there's nothing like Blanchard Family Wines they have their own vineyard located in the Russian River Valley in California which was thankfully not affected by the uh, tragic fires in California this past month uh, I think that if we're going to if you're going to go to something like this in Denver really there is no place better than Blanchard. Their staff is knowledgeable and it's great atmosphere in the vibrant dairy block, uh, brand new dairy block. They op- opened up in late 2019. They are on Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. Once again, this is called Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th in Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, right smack dab in the middle of the dairy block, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field. When you go in, tell them Jeff from CSG Podcast sent you. What is up, everybody? Thank you for joining me on the latest Mortcast, part of the CSG Network. I'm, of course, your host, Jeff Morton. We are going to talk about something today that uh, I think could be considered to be uh, a trolling kind of subject, uh, specifically for one fan base. I don't intend it to be. I'm merely pointing out some facts here. Uh, as we are, by the way, I'm outside today, again, as you can tell by the uh, revving engines and the wind, and uh, there's no there's no crickets out here this time, so uh, Alec Wynn, uh, when you listen to this today, you will not hear crickets, um, <laughs> but it's such a wonderful day. It's like 75 out here, and it's just wonderful. It's, it's November, and it's the best weather in November. Um, with that in mind, I'm in a relaxed mood, and I kind of want to talk about something that we saw last night in the Denver Nuggets' miraculous vi- victory over the uh, Philadelphia 76ers. And it was something that I think uh, should display a little bit of the irony of the complaints about Nikola Jokic. Now, I, we all have our own complaints about Jokic when he goes through his periods of not particularly... Uh, playing with what we feel is the intensity that he should. Let's put that on one side. Um, We know Jokic better than your casual NBA fan does. So our perspective on him, I feel like, is better than if someone is just watching and they watch about five Nuggets games a year, if that, and they get their impression of him from those games. Um, Let's separate that. What we saw in the fourth quarter as the Nuggets made their biggest fourth quarter comeback in their 53-season history um, last night, uh, overcoming a 19-point fourth-quarter deficit, that did balloon to 21 during the fourth quarter. Let's not not, uh, discount that. Um, 
what we saw was something that I don't think people counted on. If you just see Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid um, for a handful of games a year. I don't expect people who uh, are fans of the Sixers or fans of any other team, um, aside from maybe their, the Northwest Division rivals, quote-unquote quote rivals, uh, to um, really think about. Because, you know, look, no one pays attention to anyone but their own team. And quite frankly, I don't expect everyone to know chapter and verse about the life of Nikola Jokic and uh, everything, all of his attributes and all that stuff. That is a com- completely ridiculous kind of notion, even in the elite era of league pass. Uh, it's only slightly better. People tend to pay attention to their teams. And uh, what I, we saw last night was an interesting essay on the notion of being in shape versus the embodiment of physical shape that is Joel Embiid. Uh, since Nikola Jokic came into this year, the subject of his body weight has been absolutely, I think, beat into the ground in places like NBA Twitter. Um, and it, when you've heard any of my podcasts, you'll know that physical shape and athleticism aren't things that I am going to harp on, particularly when it comes to Jokic. Jokic, Jokic's game is not predicated on athleticism. Um, If anyone sees him, he plays the same, he he lumbers, but he doesn't need to do anything but lumber. (laughs) Um, He, if you pressure him, he gets the ball. As someone who if this was like a point guard, like Emmanuel Moutier, you could pressure him in the backcourt, and the book on him was that he will turn the ball over. And that was from the get-go with Emmanuel Moutier, starting in 2015. You knew exactly how he would behave with that. With Jokic, every sort of defense has been played with him, and he is such an innate passer that, and, and so, I wouldn't say selfless, but i say um, he is a guy who is willing to distribute in that way that it uh, completely throws off the equilibrium of what he wants to do. Nine times out of ten, Jokic, is the, Jokic himself is the one who takes himself out of games. And, and you could say that with most great players. Um, but the subject of his, of his weight and the absolute, I would describe it as disgraceful fat shaming, specifically coming from uh, 76ers fans who are still... Salty after Jokic won the uh, uh, got the NBA All First Team vote uh, back in uh, back in the off season. Uh, Sixers fans still are salty about that. So he comes into this year and he's looking like Jokic. I mean, he looked like Jokic to me. He's a little thicker, but I mean, he's still Jokic. And um, they glommed onto that, and therefore that has become their thing. And there are more Sixers fans than there are Nuggets fans. So, therefore, it became a thing. Um, and this really began with the Sixers. It's, it's, it's fascinating to me how a team you play twice a year, you never see, can get so, uh, their fan base can get so f- narrow focused on this sort of thing. Well, in the fourth quarter last night, uh, the Nuggets were down by such a large margin it was interesting to watch it unfold as the as Jokic played the entire fourth quarter, ended up playing 37 minutes, and 
what you saw was someone who outscored the entire Sixers team, 16 to 13. And I believe he had a whole bunch of rebounds too. I mean, most of his re- a lot of his rebounds in that quarter. It was it was interesting to watch how durable and how much Jokic lasted as opposed to his ostensible counterpart in Joel Embiid. Um, and in fact, Embiid looked gassed, completely gassed. Uh, Embiid looked as if he, uh, basically with a, he shot four three free throws down the stretch and he only made two of them. And he's an 86% three free throw shooter coming into that. And you could tell he just didn't have it. He was gassed. Now, some of it's altitude, obviously. These guys are not used to playing at altitude, but, um, Joel Embiid, coming into the fourth quarter, I believe he had only played 20, you know, it was less than 20, it was 19 minutes. No, it was 18 minutes coming into the fourth quarter. 18 minutes of the game. And then he played another 10, roughly. Um, not even that, not even that. Played about nine minutes of the fourth quarter. Uh, whereas Jokic played all 12, and... Embiid was so gassed at the end. I mean, a perfect example was him letting um, uh, Jamal Murray blow by him. Um, now, some of that was foul issues, but it was it was interesting to watch because Embiid looked as if he was his exhaustion was had him mentally checked out. Meanwhile, Nikola Jokic basically was the same Jokic through the entire period, and he hit the game-winning shot. And it was funny to me, specifically, to see the contrast between the two. One is a physical Adonis. I mean, look at you look at Joel Embiid, it's like, uh, this guy is exactly how you want to look physically. Um, just, it's everything about him. But when he was uh, guarded by Jokic one-on-one, he was 0 of 7 and had four turnovers. It was almost like he didn't... It, it, I have a theory that Nuggets fans aren't going to like. I have a theory that the big-time centers in the league have a hard time taking Nikola Jokic seriously. Because of how he looks. And I get the feeling Embiid did not take Jokic seriously, even though Jokic has generally got the better of their matchups. Um, and I can say the same of Carl Towns, too. I mean, Carl Towns will go at Jokic, if just to prove he's a scrub, basically, is what the, what the way it looks like Towns approaches it. But it, you can get the, the <laughs> overwhelming sense that these guys don't uh, have that star respect for Jokic and it's and it seems to be he is a big lumpy guy and they don't take him seriously and that part is very fascinating to watch and you would think that Embiid would be taking this really seriously considering that Jokic got the first team all NBA and it's funny to watch how these guys, I mean, I've described uh, Jokic as the Colombo of NBA players. 
I mean, and, and that's an old reference for people who don't understand. Uh, it was a, a character by Peter, uh, 70s show, Peter Falk, um, who basically would solve cases by people underestimating him. And he would use that to his advantage. He had a personality as such where it would cause people to underestimate him. And I am convinced that is what part of Jokic's domination is that he, people just don't, don't look at him, that he is a goofy personality. And they look at him and they don't think that this person is going to dominate me. And I think it was uh, Michael Lee uh, of The Athletic who posted the, uh, the gif of uh, Jokic's game-winning shot. And he said, it, he said, you notice the looks of these people whenever Jokic hits these game-winning shots. Like, this is how we're going to lose. And it's very interesting to watch this. Now, Sixers fans, they be salty. They be salty. This is, this is going to be a thing that I, I am surprised how vociferous they are. And I did some thinking about it today. I really kind of thought about why this is, why this bugs them so much. And it came, and I came to the conclusion that they, it's, it's, it's not necessarily Jokic, it's Embiid. And there is this, not only is it Embiid, it's Embiid slash Sam Hinkie slash the process. In order for the process to be worth it, Embiid has to be all everything. Um, And I believe that for Sixers fans, I think since they have so attached their egos to the process, to Sam Hinkie, Embiid is the symbol of the process, um, and everything like that. I do believe that that has caused them to to basically have this kind of desperate. Embiid has to be this. Embiid is a great player. Athletically, he's better than Nikola Jokic. He's a far better defender than Nikola Jokic. He is, uh, you know, he looks like Hakeem Olajuwon physically, and semi-approaches the game that way. And you can see exactly why the, all, the, all the hopes of the process, or the process people are looked into, are hooked to Joel Embiid. You can see it. I mean, I don't, I do not, I don't, I don't think uh, any person looking at Joel Embiid play can think that this guy cannot absolutely dominate this league. At the same time, Jokic coming in, this guy who doesn't look traditionally like an NBA player looks uh, physically, and him coming in and getting all first-team All-NBA and coming in and kind of casually dropping 26 and 16 in the fourth quarter on them, you could see why that would drive them nuts. And I don't think it's necessarily a reflection of analytics, uh, Twitter, or the people who, who glom on, because that has become a, look, there's nothing more nerd Twitter than the process. That is the embodiment of, I mean, frickin' Sam Hinkie is the embodiment of nerd, okay? But, but, this this notion that Jokic is now a, a symbol of nerdology is fascinating, and it's probably wrong. 
Jokic posts up a lot. Um, Jokic is a far more traditional center than people want to give him credit for. Um, He's slow. Um, The Nuggets run at the lowest pace in the league. And not only slow, they're lumbering. They take on this very, I wouldn't say 90s because they shoot a lot of threes, but it's close, personality. And I think when they, you, you flip the script and you think the process, pe- the process people in, in, in Philadelphia are just, they, they look at Joe Jokic and they think this doesn't make sense. He's a second round pick. Uh, the Nuggets didn't tank to get him. <laughs> now this didn't make sense. Part two is quite frankly, um, the appearance, it just completely deceives people in personality. And part three is this is Denver and no one pays attention to the Nuggets. And that's just a fact of life. And you combine all those things together and you get salty uh, Sixers fans uh, getting very upset um, on Twitter <laughs> about the Nuggets, about Jokic dropping 16 on them. And Embiid looking like he didn't want any part of the of of uh, basically uh, any free throws or any uh, um, looking like he just couldn't participate in actively winning. Now there were some questionable referee calls in the game, but you can't. Just like with anything, I tell Nuggets fans, you just just don't never don't bring don't blame the refs. It's it's just not it's reductive. You got to take care of your own business. Right. So anyway, that rant, I just was thinking about that today. Hope everyone uh, enjoyed the podcast. Um, Nuggets play the Timberwolves on Sunday. Uh, He's playing Carl Anthony Towns, the other of the big three centers. And uh, we'll see how that one turns out. All right. Thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast, part of the CSU Network. I will be talking to you later. Goodbye.